It's July 24th, 2019, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we have Mandi Jamshidi Kent from Travel to Change, and she's going to give us an update on some new partnerships going on at the company. And then we'll have Mark Alexander and Megan Muramatsu from the city and county of Honolulu talk about what works cities and how that project is coming along. First up, I want to tell you about the um, HVCA breakfast that's coming up on Friday. It's uh, Friday the 26th. It's a breakfast panel discussion on the future of high cannabis 2.0 in Hawaii. You can learn what's next for cannabis, uh, CBD, and hemp products in the state of Hawaii. The panel will discuss lessons learned, recent regulatory changes, upcoming trends, and investments in this emerging industry. Uh, it'll be at the Pacific Club. Doors open at 745, and you can find out more information at hvca.org. Now, Mandi Jamshidi Kent, she's here to tell us about Travel to Change, which I had on the show probably like uh, about four years ago. And obviously, there's got to be some new developments going on. So I'm going to ask her, like, what is going on with Travel to Change? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Bert, for having us back on the show. Appreciate it. So you are kind of new to Travel to Change, right? Yes and no. So my first introduction to Travel to Change was in 2011, around the time they started. Mm -hmm. We did a collaborative nonprofit and mission-based project. Uh, But recently, I joined the team as their interim executive director uh, in April. And so it's been really exciting to learn about the new partnerships and developments we're working on. Well, first off, tell us, what does Travel to Change do? Well, Travel to Change is a volunteerism-based nonprofit, uh, grassroots-based right here in Hawaii. It offers fun volunteer opportunities to experience Hawaii and leave a positive impact in the community. So when you say volunteerism, what is that? <laughs> it's kind of like being voluntold. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> volunteerism is the, the sweet spot between uh, fun and impact. So some, some guests to Hawaii don't want to just do the regular uh, thing. They want to actually leave a positive difference. So things like uh, beach cleanups or planting in lo'i and uh, restoring the natural resources and cultural so how do how So do, uh, how does Travel to Change get their volunteers? Well, we have a website at traveltochange.org, and we also work a lot with uh, universities, believe it or not. So we have a lot of... Um, so there, there's, a, there's a constant effort to bring together the resources, the volunteer resources that then perhaps work on the different projects? Yes, and we're fortunate enough to work with the Hawaii Tourism Authority and other wonderful partners here on Oahu and island, uh, islands wide. And so it's been pretty consistent. In the beginning, of course, it, it was a, something to get it going, but we get bookings almost every day. So how do the, how do the uh, tourists find out? Well, we actually have a lot of... Um, partners in the community. Uh, Actually, we're really excited to announce that Hotel Renew has joined us in partnering in Waikiki. And so this is really exciting for us because they're a health and wellness-based hotel, Mm -hmm. and they're excited to feature many of our uh, activities. So what's the name of the hotel again? Hotel Renew. Renew. And are are they actually a physical space? They are in Waikiki, just opening, I believe, this month. It's something new. So when when they partner with you, uh, what is is this the program that you are kind of like launching? Well, we have a special partnership relationship with them. They actually have a private. Uh, a, um, a <laughs> There's some funny things going on in the studio that we work with them actually on their own. Uh, our exclusive curated page. Mm-hmm. So they're they're essentially functioning as a concierge for uh, guests who are interested in giving back to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, 
you know, what's the what's the way that people who might team up with Travel to Change how do they get involved? Well, we have exciting uh, upcoming opportunities I also need to mention. So we've actually just recently been approached by uh, next year's 2020 Rotary International Con- uh, Convention. And so they're expected to have over 25,000 Rotarian attendees. So we're really excited. We're actually launching our RFP for partnerships coming up. So if anyone is interested or hears themselves in wanting to participate with us, they can visit us at travel2change.org. That's travel2change.org. Or they can feel free to reach out to me directly. So so in terms of the RFP, are you, is that an RFP for individuals or RFP for organizations? Organizations. Typically, we work with nonprofit and government partners. Uh, we also work with DLNR and other uh, organizations that work in environmental conservation. So you're looking at uh, increasing the, let's say, the capacity for travel to change? Absolutely. We have an exciting array of current activities, but for that many at one time here in, in uh, summer of 2020, we could use a few more partners. Okay, very good. So where can people find out more inf- information? Again? again, that'll be at traveltochange.org. Or they'll feel free to reach out to me at Mondi, M-O-N-D-Y, at travel2change.org. Very good. Okay, thanks, Mondi, for joining us. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Mark Alexander and Megan Muramatsu when they finish taking their selfie pictures here. Uh, And they'll talk about what works cities. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Island Insurance, and Sacred Hearts Academy. I have always been a public radio listener. I like the different points of view that you get from public radio. Because there are two stations and I can always just flip back and forth, it just made it easier for me to just program those two stations in my radio. So that's what I do. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us is Mark Alexander and Megan Muramatsu. Mark is the Executive Director of the Office of Housing. And Megan recently got a promotion, I guess, uh, for... She's now the uh, Administrative Services Officer and uh, also works in the Mayor's Office. Both Megan and Mark co-chaired the Honolulu City Data Governance Committee, which we will talk about and of course the what works cities project welcome to bite marks cafe great to be here bert yeah thanks for having us bert now what works cities that was a bloomberg project and what works cities uh they were actually involved with signing up a number of of cities across the country and and maybe give me give me a brief um uh background on how did honolulu kind of get involved so we had a wonderful data professional working for uh, former uh, council chair, Emeritus Ron Menor. So we had Bert Lum. He <laughs> introduced the project to the administration and to council chair Menor. And uh, we applied through and we were accepted into the program. And we started in January 2018. And that is how we began. What Works Cities is a program that tries to help cities across the country use data to better inform decision making for the citizens. And it wasn't uh it wasn't and and you know a very like uh 
quick process. I mean, it, you actually got some vetting that had to take place with not only the city but the What Works Cities folks because, you know, they came in and they actually sat down with all the, the directors and, and did kind of an assessment. And, and Mark, maybe tell us a little bit about that process prior to the actual determination of a project. Sure. So What Works Cities eventually settled on 100 cities Mm -hmm. to uh, be a part of this adventure. We were one of the last cities to participate. And so there was an extensive vetting process. They wanted us to, you know, share with them, you know, what we are already doing around data and evidence, how we're using it or not using it, what kind of standards do we have around open data. And so that survey was taken by a number of our leadership group. And of course, there had to be buy-in from both the mayor and our number two, the managing director. Mm -hmm. So Mayor Caldwell, Mm -hmm. as well as managing director Roy Amamiya. And then, of course, at some point, we had to settle in on a specific kind of project. Because, you know, like any entity, they want to see results, not just activity, but they want to see impact and measurable results. So when we came time to propose a project, we had to, you know, demonstrate to them that we are serious about it and we had something that was worthwhile investing in. Yeah, and, you know, when I when I recall the process and, you know, we are, geez, almost like a year and a half since that first uh, introduction. And there have been – there's been a lot of work that has gone on, but I think um, – it it, it uh, needed to gain some traction, you know, within the the city. Because even though you have an idea and it it's a good idea, now the question is how do you actually get it implemented? You know, in in terms of day to day process. But one of the things that I was uh, really interested in is how did you go about selecting a particular, let's say, department or office that it would focus in on because. You know, the city is a pretty big entity, and it could span a number of different uh, agencies. How did you decide what area that the What Works Cities would focus on? Because these guys aren't, I mean, it's great that they come in and they have consulting and they, you know, sort of help marshal the process. But uh, you have to be pretty selective and specific on what it is that they work on. Well, I think at first a number of options were presented to you know both mayor and managing director, and ultimately because the focus of what work cities is on the use of data and evidence to address our most pressing problems, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that shortlist focused on mayor's top priorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, one area of which was housing and homelessness. It also was a good time to do that because in our own programming in the city, we are trying to use data much more strategically in driving not only the results that we were seeking, but in being able to evaluate which strategies were actually being effective in reducing homelessness, for example, and increasing our housing supply. So, Megan, you know, when you when you go back to, let's say, first quarter 2018, uh, and the idea of chronic homelessness and, and housing was selected, part of it is what kind of data was already out there? What was your assessment at that time? Well, I'm lucky that we had Mark Alexander, who is an expert on this stuff, but um, he really helped to guide the process. He knows the information that's out there. There's a state homeless information system, HMIS, Mm -hmm. that is available that all of the providers are supposed to put information into. Um, There's also information from the, the Veterans Association, the VA, mm-hmm. um, they have a initiative 
uh, to end veteran homelessness that I think former First Lady Michelle Obama um, tried to implement. So a lot of the information that we get on homelessness is from other parties. We also participate in the um, uh, chronic or the homeless count. Mm -hmm. I, I think that happens at the beginning of the year. It's a point in time count of all of the homeless people that are in the state. Uh, so there were a bunch of resources out there, but it was just about how do we use the information that exists to make decisions. Was was gathering up the data a challenge? I mean, you always hear about data wrangling. And, you know, if it's within a system within the city, there's a, a higher likelihood that you can get access to it because you can find the point of contact. But when it's multiple data sets that are managed by multiple agencies, whether it's the VA or, uh, you know, this uh, HMIS, it's other organizations. So how do you wrangle all that data? Well, the good thing about it is that we have a good relationship with both the Veterans Administration as well as our state partners, as well as the Provider Association, which is the continuum of care, partners in care. Mm -hmm. We already have been, as a city, funding programs like HMIS, the Homeless Management Information System. And because of the mayor's challenge, you know, Mayor Caldwell's commitment to ending veteran homelessness, we had a special working relationship with the VA. We also had support of other entities uh, in the community, for example, the Homeless Veterans Task Force, uh, which meets actually monthly. Mm -hmm. So all these kind of entities were available. I think what this program gave us as well as our commitment to a systems approach was bringing everyone together at the table and then also uniting the data and combining that with some serious uh, performance metrics and targets. So you, what did the what did the what work cities folks bring to the table? What was it that they contributed to actually making this work? They brought a lot of resources and expertise. They, again, worked in 100 different cities across the country. So they are very familiar with the challenges um, that exist in municipalities, changing culture. Uh, they provided us with templates. They also provided us with project management. They helped keep us accountable. Um, and they were really integral in why we succeeded and why we kept on task. So one of the things that I noticed, you know, uh, the short time that I was kind of involved was that they were very uh, kind of strict on a recurring meeting of a group of people that were pretty dedicated or, or very involved, like stakeholders. How did, the, how did that come about? I mean, identifying the stakeholders, getting them to buy in on meeting on a fairly regular basis. And that was, that's on the ground work that you have to do, Megan. And and of course, the What Works Cities guys are saying, okay, this is what you have to do. But how, what was it like to actually get these people to actually meet in a room and commit to being on a regular basis for this project? It was. It's always challenging managing schedules of different people. There are four of us. It was you, Bert, Mark Alexander, myself, and a person from DIT, Walter Kwong. Mm -hmm. We chose people who we knew we would need the assistance from. Mark, for information on homelessness. Bert, your expertise on all things data. Walter, because he was in, or he's still in, the Department of Information Technology and has the resources and connections there to help us um, get information and systems access. And then myself, because we need also someone to do do things and project <laughs> well, heavy lifting. But also, Megan has all the experience of working with the council members 
and the various departments. And so she had that bigger picture that, you know, the rest of us didn't really have. And, and, then, I, and so all these different skill sets were absolutely, I think, critical for us to move forward. And, and you know, I, I really enjoyed working on the project when I had the chance to. But I had to, I had to basically bail at the end of 2017. But the project still needed to progress. And you were able to get more people to be a part of this stakeholder group. I mean, was that, was that an uh, evolving thing? Yes, it is always evolving and still is evolving. We are very lucky that we have the support of our managing director. So having his support and then the, the support of department directors, they help us allow their staff to come to meetings and work on these projects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so as the year started to progress, uh, progress, this is like 2018 now, right? And so you've got stakeholders, you've got data, you're sort of you know wrangling all the right resources. What was the output? that the managing director wanted to see? Was it, you know, and and what was it that he needed to use from a management standpoint? You know, what was that that decision-making tool that he was looking for? Well, he wanted to see a dashboard. We also had a data governance charter that we worked on Mm -hmm. that uh, WhatWork Cities really helped us with. And this dashboard, after our engagement with WhatWork Cities, this is what we uh, furthered our project with. So the dashboard is a series of um, stats that we have surrounding the mayor's top priorities. We're always evolving, always looking to add more things onto it, but right now we have four subject matter topics, homelessness, housing, roads, and cuckoo for parks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, Mark, I mean, like this dashboard, do you know what it's based on? Is 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 it pretty much the DIT folks managing the data and actually putting up in a in a graphical uh format so that it it you know it satisfies the the dashboard from a visual standpoint so we work with DIT very closely and as Honolulu dashboard unfolded mm-hmm. there were a couple things that were real clear directives number 1 is we want to emphasize targets we didn't just want to report outputs we want to report here's our target here's and here's our progress toward that target and then also we want the dashboard to have a standard look on the front end, mm-hmm. but then have flexibility so that various departments, agencies could share their work in greater detail. But on the front end, people would know right away, hey, you're in red, you're in orange, you're in red or pink. The colors are actually – everything is designed to be respectful of, of, of the American with Disabilities Act. So the colors are not what people might expect, you know, red, green, yellow, because those are not helpful for the visually impaired. So our DIT had a very good team that came together and programmed this for us. Mm-hmm. And they did it for a couple of reasons, give us flexibility and also to save taxpayers a lot of money because to actually have dashboards by some of the providers that are out there, it's, it's very costly, and then we lose flexibility as well. You know, I do want to also talk a little bit about the data governance process because, you know, all the data that uh, might be available or might be uh, loaded into the system, you know, they always have the saying, garbage in, garbage out, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you actually manage the value of the data as it goes in? And that's kind of the data governance. But we want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with both Mark Alexander and Megan Muramatsu. And we're talking about leveraging data for decision-making. And this is happening over at the city and county of Honolulu. This is Bite Marks Cafe. 
Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Chaminade University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Mark Alexander and Megan Muramatsu, and we're talking about uh, What Works Cities, and of course they are both co-chairs of the Honolulu Data Governance Project, and, and this is kind of the uh, committee that was formed as a result of What Works Cities. And right before the break, uh, we were talking about the dashboard and how the data was uh, gathered up from different uh, sources. But I think one of the things that is really interesting is, you know, people don't consider data governance and the process of managing data from the very, let's say, sourcing of data to the, you know, where do you house the data? How do you manage the ongoing uh, uh, sort of data process? And then all that data does ultimately help inform uh, the decision maker but that is also in a process like a, a dashboard or some way of interpreting the data. And that whole process needs to be managed, and that's kind of part of the governance process. So, Megan, I think it was really important that uh, What Works Cities emphasized this whole data governance committee piece. And so what was that about? What was that experience like? So we started out with a data governance charter, mm -hmm. and that is an overarching document that helps to guide how data is used, how it's stored, what kind of programs we should buy that are compatible with existing city systems, um, how to make decisions on what to put on a dashboard or what to publish at an open data site. Um, and as a result of that, there has to be people to make these decisions about data. So there was a data governance committee that is that was created, Mark and I co-chair. We have a number of different uh, civil servants and appointees uh, civil servants, we try to include them so that they are really the people that create and use data. They also help, we hope, uh, the sustainability of this project because mm -hmm. as appointees, Mark and I, we only have about a year and a half left with Mayor Caldwell's term. But the civil servants, they can be there as long as 20, 40 years. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we really need them to buy into the concept of using data as a decision-making tool. And in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the idea of, of data governance, um, was uh, was this something that was already kind of inherent in the city or was it something kind of new? And how has the reception to the idea of, you know, managing data been, been embraced by, the, you know, the city employees? As you would expect in an organization of about 10,000 people, it, it really varies. Mm -hmm. Some departments are really embracing of the idea and have already uh, done these things before we started this project and others it's very new and uh, exciting and a little scary. A little scary. <laughs> so Mark, you know, uh, this is, well, for for better or for worse, I mean, at least it started in 2018, so it had a little bit of a, a runway. And, and um, in your estimation, how has the adoption uh, been taken? Well, I think we're making good progress. I think from the get-go, we involved a wide array of city departments, mm -hmm. Honolulu Police Department, Department of Planning and Permitting, Department of Community Services, Department of Land Management. Uh, we had a number of departments really working with us, and so they 
were already doing some of this work, and so they kind of welcomed the opportunity to share their portfolio, to share their progress. So kind of worked as a proof of concept. And so after one of our presentations at a senior manager's meeting, we even had one of the department directors come up and suggest, hey, could you go ahead and add this metric to your dashboard? So Mm -hmm. I think what we tried to do was involve quite a few of the departments, and they set a good example. And then other departments have followed through because one of the key actions of the Data Governance Committee was doing a data inventory to understand what data sets are out there. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this information is very often proprietary, very confidential, and we treat it with that kind of respect. And so I think as we show people, we can help them share their progress, whether it's Kako for parks or a streetlight project or paving. People go, oh, wow, this, this has some utility, actually. So, you know, going back to the, the uh, chronic homelessness and housing and the data that, w- that sort of was the start of this process, was there some key things that you could uh, point to that the data did help inform and improve? Oh, absolutely. So, in fact, I report regularly not only to our city council and our city staff, but outside. So we track, for example, from 2015 to 2019, there's been a 42% reduction in family homelessness, a 40% reduction in children homelessness. From 2017 to 2019, a 10% reduction in overall homelessness. Mm -hmm. And then we target the number of people that are being moved into permanent housing. We just hit our lowest point with homeless veterans since 2015 at 331. So we have targets, very specific targets for some of these populations and some of these projects. And we put them out there and people know that you know this is our targets what we're trying to hit and it, it makes a difference so we see an increase a measurable increase for example in the number of people moved into permanent housing people know what it is and they know what we're aiming to do and then we get a better idea of what works and what doesn't now in in terms of this dashboard uh Megan is this just an internal dashboard or is it also viewable by the public and and you know as if it is public, do you get the sort of the, the scrutiny, the, the eyes of the public uh, coming back and, and maybe challenging, you know, the, the numbers? So it is public. It's available on the mayor's site. It's at www.honolulu.gov forward slash dashboard. Mm-hmm. You can go and see it. We put it out there. Uh, f- people come and look at it, but we haven't gotten too much scrutiny. People haven't asked us too many questions about it. Um, we did do a press release back uh, this past February uh, to let people know that it was available and online. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so in, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the ability for it to inform, um, you know, not only, not only the internal folks about decision-making, I mean, it is a way for the public to see the improvements. Yes. Now, in terms of uh, some of the new things that are happening, and you know, we only got about a minute. I mean, what are what are what are uh, the cities going to sort of take part in in terms of new, uh, what works cities sort of projects? So, what works cities has a new program called What Works Cities Certification. We are trying to get certified as a a city that uses data by What Works Cities. It involves a number of different metrics, like uh, how we use data and share it with the public performance management, how it relates to our budgets. So it's very exciting and scary at the same well, time. So where, if somebody wants to keep looking at the, the, you know, the output, where would they go? So you can go to the dashboard at www.honolulu.gov forward slash dashboard. I will certainly put that up on the show notes for later on, and we will keep 
an eye on the progress, and I hope to see this sustained over the years and years and years to come. Mark Alexander and Megan Muramatsu, they're both over at the city and county of Honolulu. They co-chair the Honolulu Data Governance Committee, and I want to thank you both for joining us today. Thanks. Thank you. And, of course, thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we, we will talk about the high-altitude platform service. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. If you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. And you can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome, and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Da-da.